part of my mandate is um is is about about sort of emphasizing you know uh the humanity you know of 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 all the people that that i'm writing about all my characters you know um you know they also should be uh as fully human as 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 they can possibly they can possibly be as fully human as my best friend or my wife or my son you know black characters are not always afforded that especially um especially as portrayed you know through historically by uh by, by white writers Hi, this is Stephanie Fowler. And this is Tony Russo. And you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story? A podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, the stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, we have award-winning author Rian Scott. His debut work, Insurrections, won the 2017 Penn Bingham Prize for Debut Fiction, and his most recent story collection, The World Doesn't Require You, was released in August 2019 with resounding praise from Esquire, BuzzFeed, and Southern Living. Rian is a storyteller at heart who explores themes of race, religion, violence, and love, and does so while balancing reality and magical realism. So welcome to the podcast, Rian. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I was sort of kind of captivated by the sense of, uh, you know, magic short stories and reality and magical realism because i'm always sort of fascinated as a nonfiction person myself i'm mm-hmm. always like you know i sort of go straight down that but i'm always fascinated by people who can sort of take these little sort of diversions into into setting that up and i wonder what is sort of the what sort of calls you to sort of drop in these magical realistic parts to, in your work i think there are two things uh, i think the main thing is that i i feel like I think we all experience the world on on different levels, you know. I, and I think that it um different levels of of realism. Uh and your your reality is not necessarily my reality and we see things in 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 different ways and that could play out in any any number of ways. I think, you know, people of different different backgrounds, uh, different ethnicities, different genders see the world in a completely different different way. Um even even in a relationship you have you know the husband and wife you know look at things and it's just it's just a completely different different world, so I'm sort of dramatizing that. I think the other thing is just the basic fun level uh i you know, I, I want people to have a good time with my work, even though I'm dealing with some very dark things and some heavy themes uh i you know I, I never forget that i'm I'm an entertainer and <laughs> um you know I, I you know I think that you know when you drop that magical realism element in there it's it's a lot of fun i like to equate it almost like to uh, to musicals. It took me the longest time to come to understand musicals, and then someone just point blank said, "Oh, that's not what's really happening. They're right. not really in song. That's what's in their heads. That's not really part of the narrative." Oh, and that helped me a little bit with musicals. It didn't it didn't help me a lot, but it helped me. <laughs> <all. laughs> Still not a huge fan, but it did help me to enjoy books with magical realism a little bit better. We've had authors on before. And when you see that, it's it's like yes, it's happening, but it's not it's not important that it's this isn't driving the narrative. This is a co- almost like a commentary on the narrative. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you feel like that's close? No. Um. I mean, I, I I guess that's one way to look at it. You know, um, and I I wouldn't I wouldn't um, I wouldn't say I disagree with that reading. You mm-hmm. know, um, you know, I think you know every reading. Is vital, but the way you know the the way I see it is that that the uh, that these things that are happening are uh, in this world. You know, they're they're birds that are predators, and they have to sacrifice someone to the birds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just just another just another Tuesday, just, just, <laughs> just, just another annoyance. You know, 
oh god, here we go, here we go again with the birth. Um, and then you know, and then there's always one person who says, "This, this is crazy." <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I, I, so I, I see that. So, it's in a, in a world where someone says this is, this is obviously wrong. How can no one see it? Mm-hmm. You, you just kind of amplify that with magical realism, right? Ah, yeah, yeah, and. I kind of noticed that we've talked to someone else on the podcast before who did magical realism and it was also short stories. And I'm just, Oh, it was a Melissa Reddish actually. And she, um, and I just thought it was interesting that you also are doing like short stories. And I just wonder, is there something about this short story format that sort of lends itself kind of to these, to, to the magical realism? I I wonder if it's that short sort of, you know, kind of curve that we can kind of get into with a short story and that it might go hand in hand. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I I think that that can be deployed in any number, any any type of any any format. Um, for instance, you know, in the movie "Sorry to Bother You," um, Boots Riley, you know, has all kind of goes in all kinds of crazy directions. Um, and that's a long form narrative. I think, uh, you know, there are plenty of novels that that you know Marquez was an expert at this. Um, so I I don't feel like the short story is any any uh, has any um any monopoly on on magical realism. But gotcha. It's a good entry point, though, mm-hmm. and we were talking before we started recording about speculative fiction versus science fiction, mm-hmm. and the 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 history of the short story science fiction. Yes, there are science fiction novels, and there there are wonderful science fiction novels. But you feel like the short story is your entry into that world. Mm-hmm. Like once you once you are comfortable with a world where the birds are predatory. <laughs> Then you can then you can handle that like at at a at a bigger it's it's a good entry point for readers I think mm. the the short story for and 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 again with non with science fiction again the short story in science fiction is a good entry point do you feel like that's close possibly possibly <laughs> I mean you know <clears throat> I um I, I kind of hesitate to um to to think of the short story as a um as a gateway to to anything else uh-huh. I, I, I I I sort of I sort of like to think of it as a as a thing onto itself, mm. um, and and for you know for readers to really engage with it and, and, and enjoy short story. You know, I've met met readers who who read who are not writers who read mostly short story collections. You know, because that's that's just what they just what they enjoy. Well, that's that's who I am. I'm I've I've almost completely given up on novels. Only <laughs> I because I, I get locked into whatever I'm going to read. Uh-huh. So if it's a thousand pages or if it's ten pages, I'm going to sit down until it's done, and I just. My life has to happen, and, and I can't commit to novels. I'm with but you. I, but the short <laughs> stories are just my favorite, my favorite thing to read. I, mm-hmm. I, enjoy, I cannot write them. I don't have, I don't have that kind of focus because the 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 beautiful thing about about a well done short story is that it's just this nugget of truth. I guess yeah, it's a right? thing onto itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, a lot of writers, you know, most writers, you know, every time they write a story. It's a new world, right? Know? It's a brand new world, um, you know. And of course, I have this ongoing world, but there's, you know, there's that element too. Every time I write a story, I have to reestablish, you know, the world. Well, and talk a little bit about that because that's always been a fascination of mine. Like short, short stories that that kiss one another, mm-hmm. uh, that are that are published like that. separately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, my, yeah my, <laughs> my stories are kissing one. Like <laughs> <laughs> but it's. It, it's always I always love to see it, and again, it's always something that seems a little intimidating to me. This mm-hmm. idea that I'm responsible to, like 
you're responsible to this story. It stands alone, but you also you have to you have to kind of when you're when you're gonna when you're gonna reference it, you know, when when it's gonna be part of a larger universe, then you have to acknowledge things. You have mm-hmm. these commitments in one story that you have to live up to. That's right. In a, yeah. in a completely different story. And there is that element, but also I um. I'm fr- to me, I'm free to ignore those commitments, you know, if I if, if I need to. Um, because to me, it's about the narrative on 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 itself. I think I, I I've said this a lot before, but I, to me, Cross River, my my fictional town, Cross River, Maryland, is like Springfield, um, uh, of The Simpsons, right? In which you know, every time, every every episode, it's 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 almost brand new. Um, it's not it's not completely brand new. There 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 are certain things that that will um. That that carry over. There's certain histories of the of the characters they reference, but you know, often it's completely contradictory, um, and it, it it doesn't make geographical sense. Um, and uh, that's my that's my um, that's one of my guiding posts. You know, it's all about the story that's on the page right now. And if I need to rearrange the geography, if I need to you know rearrange the history, I'll see how far I can I can take it away from what is already established. Sometimes I can't take it that far away from what is established. It it just won't work. But you know. A lot of times it's, you know, whatever's established is not necessarily set in stone. It's not necessarily Bible. That's got to be, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. It's just, th- it, that takes courage, right? Doesn't that, t- do you, I mean, I, <laughs> nobody wants to stand up and say, I am a courageous writer. But it takes, it's, you, you've got to be terrified. I would be terrified to try that, no? Yeah, yeah courage is, uh, I, you know, I think, what's it, um, what's his name, um, uh, Vonnegut, who said artistic courage is is uh, is is not a, uh, um, he was sort of, he was sort of saying it's not really this thing that, that right you know it's like, you know those, <laughs> you're just those, telling dumb stories <laughs> those people those people who are, who are who are who are crossing the southern border coming coming across that's courage right right <laughs> right absolutely that, that's courage um me um you know but it, you know it, it does take some sort of uh you know confidence is is, is the word you know it's like. Our readers gonna follow, you know. Even you know, there are things that contradict between stories in this book and in the last book. There are things that contradict in these two books. They they you know they they don't necessarily reconcile, hmm. um, and that's fine to me. Um, you know, I'm I, I'm feel like I'm making this big mess. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know. So you use Cross River both in Insurrections and in The World Doesn't Require You. Yes. So for me, I'm thinking that you know to make each story and then to do it twice and to do it as successfully as you have i mean that must be a monumental amount of creativity or i mean you must feel that this universe has given you like so much room to play and and to move through especially to have you know both books sort of standalones but in the same place yeah when um i uh, thank you for saying that um i think that to me yeah it's it's, it's there's a sense of play that that's involved you know i think I, I've often said it's, this is a socially acceptable way for me to continue to play with toys. <laughs> uh, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't play with toys anymore. It's, it, you know, and, and unless in the context I'm hanging out with my children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is, a, you know, this is a time for me. I, I can have imaginary friends. Um, so I want to make it as imaginative as possible. Again, it goes back to the fun element. You know, that when I was a kid, playing with toys was the most fun thing in the world to me. Um, and, and so when I, when I just said making a big mess, I just imagined my room as a kid, which was, you know, much, much to my mother's and my, everyone in my family's dismay was this huge mess of toys everywhere. Um, and that's, that's, that's kind of how I feel about Cross River. Well, and you had, you had mentioned earlier about this, this idea of play, but also serious, serious topics. So is it ever a concern to you about 
how much of it is considered you that you're not ever undermining yourself. Yeah. With uh, yeah. With with the with the disconnect between between the play and the series, even though I guess. Yeah, I mean that that is a huge element, you know. Um, there's a story in there called "Rolling in My Six Foe." I'm playing with a lot of stereotypes. Um, and also there's an there's actually two stories in there, three stories. Um, uh, electric play surface. Um, actually, a lot of stories. Uh, <laughs> actually, the whole book. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a, there's actually, a, both books. <laughs> yeah, there's 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 a lot, you know, uh, you know, but but particularly "Rolling in My Six Foe," "Electric Joy Service." Mercury and retrograde, N-word knockers. Um, I'm playing with a lot of uh, I'm playing with a lot of stereotypes, and especially when I was writing Rolling My Six Foes, it's kind of like, what am I doing here? <clears throat> am I reinforcing these these ugly stereotypes? You know, it's the it's the it's the battle that Dave Chappelle had when he ended his show. You know, I wish he hadn't ended his show, but um, he but he 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 took a he took a stand that I don't want to reinforce these these stereotypes. I don't want people laughing at me. Uh, I, I want them to to be you know using their critical faculties and and breaking down these stereotypes and a lot of the stereotypes I'm mocking them you know the the idea that that you that that you you know kidnap people make them work and then tell them that they're lazy um, <laughs> is is a is a is a is a is a crazy idea you know it's a, you know it's a making up things about people and then judging them by the things that you make up and and I think in rolling my six foot well, you know I you know there's a, there's a character in there I put it I put any number of stereotypes on him. Just to show you how ridiculous it is, and uh, <clears throat> and uh, every time I read that story, every single time when you know, I, you know, I, I read, you know, I, when you write a book, you, you obviously you have to read it a lot. <laughs> you didn't <laughs> yeah. want to give anybody the impression that you were sitting with your feet up reading your own work, <laughs> right? And I, and I, I, I've had to read that story a lot. I don't know how many times in the ten years that I've, that I've lived with that story that I've read, hmm. um, and um, and every time I read it. Um, I get to the get to the end point like what the hell am I doing? I can't put this out. And then I get to the final sentence. The final sentence, uh, which was suggested by my wife, redeems the entire story. And um, and I get to that sentence like okay, you know I you know readers will get this or hopefully readers will get this. At the same time, when you do satire, um, you're gonna be you're going to be um, misunderstood. Mm. That's that's a part of it. That's un it's an unfortunate um, you know byproduct of it. So you know. Um, I'm, I'm waiting for that moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I just had this conversation with my daughter who just saw Shaft for the first time and had to, you know, and had to write about Shaft and like mm-hmm. the idea of, about it in school. Or? Yeah. Yeah. Is and, it? and, and the idea of between like, how do you deal with the positive and negative stereotypes mm-hmm. and, and how, I mean, she's not been exposed to anything like that at all in her life. Right. So it was a real when when do you say that stereotype is being reinforced, and when do you say that stereotype is being mocked? And it's uh-huh. really—I mean, no one's ever said Shaft is a subtle movie, uh-huh. but that when you look at it that way, there are subtleties that can come out of it that you might not normally see. And I yeah, and I think that there, there there's a thin line, and um and I, and I think that anytime again, anytime you're doing satire, there's gonna be a moment where you're doing it badly. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm sure I'm, I've done it badly in the past. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there are moments in, in this that that people would object to, and I hear their objections, and I say, yeah, you're, you're right. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I can <laughs> I can see that. Um, so so yeah, that must have been a fascinating conversation with your daughter. Yeah. Well, it was. Oh, she was she was dealing. She's in a civil rights class, and mm-hmm. so it she, she was 1860 to 1970, the first week of school. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> It's a lot of ground to cover. Hi, hi, little girl. Welcome to college. Tell me about all of this, right? (laughs) And so her little head was kind of coming off on it. But this idea of 
because you don't want to alienate people. Mm-hmm. And and again, it's a responsibility that you have that I don't. Right? I can alienate whomever I want for at least the next fifteen or twenty in my lifetime. I still get to <laughs> alienate people. But you want to be, you you want to, you want to be able to say what you want to say without also yourself kind of coming under into into a stereotype and. Mm-hmm. You also just want to tell your damn story without, exactly. uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> and that's a balance that I don't. That's a balance that I don't have. So I don't. I don't. I don't relate in the same way. Well, you know, uh, you know, I've, I've you know done a lot of study of you know stereotypes, and, you know, over the over the course of the years, and there's a great documentary called Ethnic Notions, um, and it really breaks down how a lot of these stereotypes were, were, were you know, they're not just about hurt feelings, you know. These stereotypes were used to kill people, right. you know. Yeah. And these stereotypes were used to, you know, to, you know, to, to really, uh, uh, you know, steal resources from people, you know. Uh, and, and you know, and you know, over history, some horrible things have, you know, happened, you know. And, um, and, uh, and, and yeah, so you know, it's, uh, you know, there's that responsibility to not, um, to not reinforce it because, uh, you know, these things haven't really gone away. They, they, they've sort of evolved. Um, and, uh, you know, and, you know, it's always important for me to remember that, um, you know, the people that, you know, the people that, um, that, that published me, uh, you know, or the, the gatekeepers in the, in the, in the industry, they don't, they don't necessarily look like, um, right. and, um, and, it, and it's kind of like, you know, are, are, you know, are they putting, are they, are they understanding, um, what, what is, what is being done here? Um, are, are they appreciating what's being done here? Um, am I, um, am I, um, am I reinforcing? Like, like I said before, am I reinforcing or am I, um, or, or am I mocking or, or tearing down? Um, and yes, it's a, it, it, it's tough because I, I think part of my mandate is, um, is, is about, um, <coughs> about sort of emphasizing, you know, uh, the humanity, you know, of, of, of all the people that I, that I'm writing about, all my characters, you know, um, you know, they're just positive words, right? Right. But um, you know, they also should be uh f- as fully human as 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 they can possibly ha- as they can possibly be as fully human as my best friend or or or, or my wife or my son, you know. And uh, uh, and you know, black characters are not always afforded that, especially um, especially as portrayed, you know, through historically by uh by by white writers. Mm. Um, so um, you know. I'm writing into that breach or writing, you know, I wouldn't say writing against that, but yeah, writing against that, you know? Yeah. And I think there's something to be said. I mean, you know, writers, we sort of have this, you know, we feel compelled to tell stories Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I was sort of wondering like, at what point for you, did you know, I am a storyteller, you know, because I think there's one thing to be a a novelist and all Uh that, but you know, to write short stories, I mean, for me, it's about, I'm, I, I like short stories, and it's, you know, it's like, I like to, you know, get in and get out, right? So, uh-huh. but I think that there's something about a writer when you come to that moment in your life where, you know, I'm a storyteller, and these are the kind of stories that I want to tell. Yeah, I, I, you know, I wonder if there's a moment. If there is, I don't know. It's just, uh, you know, I, I, I think all my life I always knew that I'd be doing something artistic with my life. <laughs> you know, right. I, I just didn't know what that thing was until I started writing in junior high and I started writing poetry and I was like, okay, I'm going to be a poet. And, you know, I imagine, you know, if I was sitting here, there was no such thing as podcasts at the time. If I was sitting there <laughs> being interviewed on the radio or something, it would be to discuss poetry. Um, and I'll probably never write a, 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 poet, a, poet, a poem publicly um, <laughs> unless it's in the context of my fiction. Um, and, um, you know, I I think um, when I went to grad school, um, you know, I was still a poet, 
um, I still thought of myself as a poet, and I didn't really get into any poetry programs. Thankfully, uh, <laughs> you know, I got into I got into a fiction program, and um, I, I started reading. I was reading Interview with Allen Ginsberg, one of my favorite poets of all time, and I just didn't know what he was talking about. I just didn't understand. <laughs> he was, and I was like, this, you know, this is a very, very, very technical art form. Um, that you know, that's uh, heavily rules based. Even when you're breaking the rules, it's heavily rules based. And um, and I and I and I thought, you know, and a lot of my poems had started having characters in it. I remember at that at that same time, I was writing a poem that was sort of a reimagining. It was a tongue in cheek reimagining of, of of good times. Hmm. Okay. Um, of, of of an end of a possible ending to good times where um um Michael. Was Michael had become had become the militant, um, and and he was he was he was in a shootout with police, and it was a, it was it was essentially a story, um, but it was uh, you know it had line breaks, <laughs> right, um, and and so you know I, I think you know at that point when I read that Ginsburg interview, I know I sort of you know put down poetry, um, and I'm gonna be a reader of poetry uh, forever, but I'm not gonna be a writer of it, and I and you know and I I think you know my stories you know. You know, they start. I guess they, 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 I guess that's when they started that evolution. When I, when I, when I figured I was gonna start writing about this town, about Cross River, um, you know, all that, all that was in that, that time period, um, in about '05. You know, that's when I, my first year in grad school. I imagine you kind of looking around at your characters as if they were toys, and like, I'm gonna play with you and you and you today. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's about so you know I, I start a story and then um you know I think about what element is 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 gonna go into it you know I have I have more so more so the landscape is my is my is my main toy mm-hmm. you know and then it's um and then you know, it's like you know mostly mostly most everything I write you know if it's it's gonna be completely new um there might be a returning character but it's uh it's gonna be completely new mm-hmm. um and um and and so then I you know I think about First is when is this air? Um, probably in a couple of weeks. Yeah, or mid October. Okay, mid-October. so um, a, when we're when we're taping this tomorrow, I have a story coming out in the New Yorker. Um, my first story in the New Yorker. Oh, oh congratulations! Wow. <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> and it, it's 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 a it's a sequel somewhat to a story that was in Interactions, um, in which um. <clears throat> You know, first I start with the landscape cross river. Uh, in the first, in that first story, is called Razor Bumps. Um, there's a, something called the Great Hair Crisis, where every barber in Cross River um, can no longer cut well. Uh, <laughs> and um, and and so, you know, I start with that element. You know, the Great Hair Crisis, and then I, I you know, uh, most of the characters didn't, don't um, don't overlap between the stories. Well, one of the characters in Razor Bumps is mentioned mm-hmm. um, because he 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 was the greatest barber in Cross River history, and now he's terrible. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I started, you know, what's happening, what's happening with the great hair crisis. Um, and, and, and what is the, the story in the New Yorkers call, um, uh, shape ups the Delilah's. Um, and it's sort of like, um, what, what happens if this crisis is solved by a woman? You know, the, 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 okay. the barber, the barber, um, the barber shop is, is seen in the black community as, you know, the sanctuary for black men. And most barber shops I've been, I've been to as a, as a, you know, growing up, you know, as has has been has been that you know um and you know uh and so I, so you know the question is you know, what happens what happens in, in in this instance if there's a problem that's been going on for years and the one who solves it the 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 you know the the, the Christ figure is not it is not who they think it's going to be um and then what what happens in that in in that moment well i love that notion of you know as writers we get to play with all sorts of things and so it's kind of taking you know 
gender and and kind of turning it as well you mm. know i mean I, I would imagine that's one more one more thing for you to kind of pull in it's almost like as you're talking about cross river i'm almost sort of hearing it seem like this you know sort of like the marvel universe or whatever all these yes. kind of different yeah you know people kind of coming in and kind of going out but it's still your universe that I, you know I, I, that's definitely the marvel universe is definitely another another um uh, another example and and again it's it, this one is completely inconsistent i remember growing up reading reading the comic books and in in one month you know uh, spider-man broke his leg uh, and and then in that same month spider-man is 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 with the fantastic four in outer space you can't reconcile these things <laughs> right. you know you know you know and, and you know and they always have these little footnotes this happened here and here and, and it's completely it's completely ridiculous as if know? that solves it as if that solves yeah. it it doesn't <laughs> you know, this this happened before that and it's like well his, his leg still wouldn't be healed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which um, kind of speaks back to what you were saying is that you're okay with some indiscrepancies. You're you're okay with not right. everything perfectly fitting together because we've you already have to be. we already know it doesn't have to fit perfectly. Right. You know, stories are stories are completely artificial constructs, and uh, and we're putting it together in our mind. So you know, you know, you know. I, I think it, it, it's the same. It's like the saying: a foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds. Right. <laughs> So you know, I, you know, to be expansive, you have to be, you have to be comfortable with that, <laughs> right? With those inconsistencies. And when you start, to, one of the things we like to talk about here, or one of the things I never shut up about, is like I think once you start the story, what you owe the story is what started. Like right, uh huh. And and if what you owe the story is more important than what you want to owe the story, I think right, uh huh, is a way to think about that. Um, so I. I want to know when you when you get like because you're obviously very proud of and rightly so like of 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 the of the short story in the New Yorker like <laughs> does that like does that take any time to to recover from when you when you get that kind of notification or I can't wait for tomorrow let me, let me tell you that <laughs> yeah well my, my goal I, I, when I was walking over here I was uh, from the parking lot I was thinking about um when I had this ridiculous goal being the New Yorker before I was thirty um and I was uh um and, and when I turned thirty. Uh, that was one of the many reasons I was depressed about turning thirty. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> the, you know, you know, and, and you know, it's, and, you know, I look back on it almost ten years later, and just how how ridiculous I was. Um, you know, that uh, was one of. The, I mean, that was a small, uh, one of the small things that 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 you know that that brought me you know uh, you know depression, but it, it shouldn't at all. <laughs> just, right. not, and most of those things, most of the things I was frustrated about, I should not have been frustrated about. You know, just you know, just grow old gracefully uh, yeah. not, not even that old yeah i mean think of like the the hundreds of thousands and millions of us that are never gonna even see the new yorker death so you know so you know and so now yeah i'm you know it's, it's, i've achieved this goal that i've had for a very long time and i'm you know, i'm very happy about it um and I, I think that um and that this story um was a story that i had to take out of it um the world doesn't require you just because it, it just wasn't ready Right. Um. And and I went to a a, a workshop called Kimbilio, which is a fellowship um <clears throat> for for black writers out in New Mexico. Uh. And I workshopped it. Uh. Not la not last summer, but the summer before last. Um. And, and and my my workshop group had all these great comments, and it, it took me a little bit of while, a little bit to go back to it, but I went back to it, and I I followed a lot of their suggestions very closely, and um and it became a new story because of that. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, and, and it was something that I, you know, I looked at, I said, maybe this, maybe this will be, uh, you know, for the New Yorker and, uh, yeah, they, they took yeah, it. Yeah. I think that's, I think when that happens to us, it's very lucky. Like you've mentioned that your wife gave you the last line to mm -hmm. a story and then, 
you know, to find the fellowship, you know, that you just mentioned. I think as writers, you know, what we do is a very solitary process. It is, uh-huh. And then if we can emerge and find mentor relationships or we can find those good first readers or people that understand us and our work and where we're trying to go, mm-hmm. I think that's a beautiful thing that can kind of coalesce for writers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think one of, one of the things when I was when I started this about, you know, 13 or 14 or whatever, one of the things I, I said was that it's uh, this is something I can do by myself. I don't need anyone else. You know, I was, you know, I was, I was very, I was the youngest person in my family. So I was very defiant uh, about all the help that I was getting, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, because when, you know, when, when, you know, when you're that, when you're the youngest person, everyone, everyone wants to help you and it can be overbearing sometimes, you know, it's just a, but it was, but it's all, it's, it, it's, you know, it's a level of love that, um, that I can appreciate now that I, I couldn't necessarily always appreciate. Um, <clears throat> but I, I definitely appreciated if there was a bully bothering me and I, and, and my brother <laughs> was there, you know, uh, but, um, but, um, yeah, but but as I as as I grow older, I'm, you know, as I grew older in this, and uh, as, you know, I'm I'm happy for those moments where it's not so solitary because you know it can be a very very lonely thing um, when you have those moments where you have connections with others, um, and uh, that that's that that's something that, that every writer I think I think needs, and you know if I knew if I knew that I needed that as a writer uh, growing up, I may not have started, you know, because <laughs> I wanted something. And I, I also said that this is something, you know, I, I didn't, you know, a musician needs all kinds of instruments that, you know, that, that are expensive. I, was like, I can do this, you know, for, for, for very, for very cheap. All I need is a notebook and a pen. Um, and of course, as you get older, because, you know, yeah. there are expenses involved, obviously. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, ignorance, ignorance can be a good thing at times. Absolutely. All right, Stephanie. Now this is the part of the show where you thank the guests. Well, thank you so much, Rian, for being on our podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been great. So What's Your Story was produced by Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit us at SoWhatsYourStoryPodcast.com where you can find past episodes, guest bios, show notes, and all sorts of fun stuff. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Radio Public, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, take a second and give us a great review. Tell your story.